Hey, and uh, welcome to Prod, a Lux Cash podcast. Uh, I'm Kai Whiston. Um, usually on this podcast, we do these sort of scripted long form essays um, that I've written. Um, but today we have the honor of uh, sharing this interview with Parker Corey, producer of Injury Reserve and recently By Storm. Uh, Parker has been at the forefront of experimental hip-hop and rap music um, for a long time now, getting his start with Injury Reserve, um, a group with Nathaniel Ritchie and Stepper J. Groggs, um, recently transitioning to the Bystorm project with Nathaniel and Parker after the tragic passing of Groggs in 2020. Um, I was tapped into his work through the, I think maybe the first injury reserve project uh, live from the dentist office. Um, it was this sort of very bombastic maximalist take on jazzy hip hop instrumentals um, with some strange, almost psychedelic noisy manipulation. Um, and it's been this interesting evolution up until the last uh, injury reserve album by the time I get to Phoenix, which features a lot of experimental rock and post-rock sampling, um, pretty intense, almost IDM manipulations of these sounds, uh, and this immense collage, um, which feels heavy and raw and perfectly aligns with the themes of, of the album. Um, and yeah, and it was an absolute pleasure to get him involved in this conversation um, talking about a few things obviously related to music production uh, but also collaboration in the modern era um, and also live performance setups and you know just a plethora of things um, it was really great this is the sort of first interview we've done for the podcast um, and it kind of shows <laughs> in some of the audio quality stuff but I've tried my best to engineer all of the muffled sounds and bad audio quality but hopefully the future ones should be better um this was recorded on a video call back in march 2023 and yeah it was fantastic to get parker on a huge thank you to him um the new by storm single is out now along with an amazing video that parker directed which is just beautiful um, and stands up to his fantastic production as well. Uh, so thank you again, Parker, for your participation in this. And yeah, hopefully this will be valuable if you're interested in music production or injury reserve or, you know, just music in general. Um, yeah, so we're going to take an intimate look at Parker Corey's artistic journey and what's to come. By right of thinking, we, we have like a weird common thread that we both, we both studied like marketing, maybe? Did you study marketing? Uh, for like three days. I, mean, I, I kind of, that would be like false valor. Playing <laughs> it very, uh, yeah, it was like three days. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What, what, what led you down that, like out of interest? Because... Was it, I mean, similar for me, I, I only did it for like a year or two, but was it just 
Why, how come uh, the music, like studying music, wasn't wasn't the first step? What was that? What was that conflict? Um, I think. Well, I mean, so much of like the the uh, like academic music, especially like out here, I've noticed like out there, it seems that like like Gildal or something like that, they seem like a little bit more open and like like. Like even like a like a DA I think is like new to like a university here like like it's very barren um, unless I'm sure like NYU probably is a good meet but that's expensive that's really expensive that's really yeah I never considered that as like a realistic route that because I didn't have like the skill set that most of those programs would like take like I can't play like a like sit down and play an instrument properly like. And I feel like that's more what it's geared towards. In hindsight, like I probably would have gone to school for like theoretical, like English or like philosophy type shit, because a lot of that shit interests me now. But where I was coming from, like I didn't even know about that like world really. Because I mean, I mean, now it feels like there's it's obvious you have so many avenues obviously through like the injury reserve and music and everything but like like not the music videos as well like the, i mean i'm going to talk about a bit more like that later but like seems like you've kind of dipping your toe in like a lot of stuff i mean but it's not necessarily like new but like there's it feels like a broader thing as opposed to yeah just music or three days of marketing or anything like that i mean we could talk about the music videos now i mean you just did that new one for Oxa, um, and you've also done a bunch of um, bunch of the injuries of music videos. Like how, I suppose, in relation to music, how important is that visual side for you when you're creating or when you're sort of finishing up? Like how much does that play a part in the creating of the music? And then, yeah, what, when does it come in, I guess? Um, definitely tries, try to come come in with that after because i would hate for it to like influence this like sometimes you see songs where like they only work with the music video yeah yeah and like someone's listening to them like outside of the music video and it's like this isn't really that good yeah. uh, and so i would hate to like fall into that um so we try to bring that in after and like i've e even like just recently just opened up to the idea of like touring with the song, like the sound of the song, a little bit in the video, as opposed to like the record version, like doing like a slightly like twenty seconds extended beginning of outside on the last video, like that was like for a long time, like I wouldn't do anything like that because I like wanted to keep the song like yeah, like pure or something. But now it's a little more opened up for sure. Yeah, it's interesting. Sometimes you get. When there's like a, I think I don't remember which rapper I saw that was like doing a live show, but he, he was he was basically someone that was coming out to do like a like a one off song as part of someone else's show, and like you could hear the uh, the DJ whoever the DJ was had like the YouTube rip like version of the track of like the extended. I like the idea of that of just like just like uh, outing the YouTube rippers. Um, you know, that's a there's a nice pointless exercise in uh, <laughs> destruction. Sometimes it's better with the video, like audio. Like there's like the, the uh, 
I can't think of the name of the song, but there's like a wiki song. Yeah. Where like in the video, like they, uh, like for one like line in the song, they cut to like just like the camera mic audio of him like r- rapping on acapella in the apartment. And then the whole song comes back in and it's like, it sounds so good, but it's not on like the, the release version of the song. Sometimes the YouTube rip is the uh, is where the heart and soul is. Um, but I just want to talk about how, I guess, um, the range of the injury reserve stuff um, from the very beginning up until, you know, the last record, which I really see as you guys is, you know, opus in a way, so I will probably keep talking about that one because, you know, it's really yeah. struck a chord in me. Um, but you talk about, like, I guess the importance of taking risks um, with the injury reserve stuff from yourself, but I mean, as the group a whole, like, I mean, for me at least, each sort of album has like a um, quite clear like intention with sound or concept or all of these things. Um, is it what? Where's that? Where do you think that comes from? That 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 the wanting to divert and take the risk. I think initially, like we kind of gravitated towards that just from like a, probably like a competitive aspect. Yeah, I don't know. Just trying to like sound more interesting or like more forward thinking than other things. But I think what really opened it up on the last one was it shifted from like a competitive thing, although that's still there. Like everyone wants to show someone something and just have them be like, whoa, like this. Um, But uh, I think it shifted from all about that to like, I don't know, like the stakes are just, uh, realizing like the grander stakes of of art, like needing to like assert its like difference, I guess. I think something that's like often overlooked um, in like a producer-vocalist collaboration aspect is like, how the little sort of like the lines between the role players kind of get blurred, right? Where you'll get like a producer jumping in and being like, hey, you know, this lyric would sound better like this or, you know, um, you know, vocalist going in like that. Um, what do you think like, what do you think makes that good partnership? Um, part, part of that, I think, just comes with like, just time, like getting to the point where you you trust each other that even even when you're like not seeing it like because both your names are on it like obviously the person isn't trying to like sabotage anything or like do something just for like I mean some people do still like early on they're still thinking about what have I contributed to this like they're trying to fulfill like how they feel is a part of the thing when it doesn't really matter when it goes out because once it goes out, people will say, people will come up with weird narratives about who did what. Uh, yeah. People, you, you can't care about that. You just got to be happy with like the work itself. And then on the other side of things, I think what really, really makes it work well, uh, just like physically, is everyone involved getting like as in tune with the just technical aspect too. Like Nathaniel like records himself. 
he like like every like few months like when the vocals come back there will be like a new plugin in involved like 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 definitely like a progression of like learning you know at some point that blurs into production like how you're treating your vocals like when you pan a vocal that's like a production decision like the more and more that blurs i think it just gets better it gets faster everyone's like i don't know it's like being able to play like the same instrument together and it's like very delayed time but as long as you're working with like the same tools like you're kind of speaking like a it's like its own language that you're like learning and you're developing like your own like dialect of that language like within the band i guess if he sends something at like a certain tempo and then i throw it over something else like we'll be able to be like oh did these sound like you wrong for the beat now because what we like it over like we hear what we like, but it's also too wrong. Like, do we think like this verse could even work at this tempo now? I don't know. Like, you know, like being able to have those discussions is important. Have you always had that freedom to like work remotely? Of just like, have, have you ever had like that? I mean, some people are so hell bent of like, we got to be in the same room to catch the vibe kind of thing. Have you? Have you ever? Have you always been this freedom of like? sending things to each other and just like kind of like seeing how it bounces off and just have a, do you find like experimenting in like a remote setting versus like a group setting or like physical group setting? I mean, for a long time, it was more in a group setting. Like we lived together in Altadena for a few years. We had like this like studio in the sunroom and like the living room was right next door and so pretty much like it was like eight people in this one like big house. Uh so if you were working on something, like not only was it like us three could hear it, but like five of our friends could hear it as well. So that was like I mean that effect that affects like what you're doing mentally for sure. Yeah. And I know Nate is like I think like that's why he likes recording himself is he can try things like really weird and sound I'm sure he like embarrassing, like no context, like hearing someone just like in the room making these noises, but like obviously he hears what he's trying to put together. You do have to like trial and error and like, you know, like piece it to at least the way we work. It's stuff that maybe like jazz musicians were able to do like on the fly together and more reactive, but the way like working in Ableton works and finding what we're trying to find, like there's more embarrassing <laughs> moments. I mean, I think that's kind of like, I think that's kind of like relieving too, especially because that's, that's just the most common form of collaboration now is like that remote like feeling. And I think some people, uh, yeah, I think you hear when it's this mesh of different environments and obviously different collaborators, but they're all sort of, when everyone's in the same room, everyone's sort of had a similar day or, you know, is it a similar feeling and that kind of stuff that you can have like that clash of environment and, you know, whatever could be going on over here <laughs> in the day is like plays into this thing that could be completely unexpected. I think it's like, it definitely births like a new and a different approach, an interesting approach. And yeah, like it's also just how everyone is collaborating at the moment. Definitely never finishing a record without like getting into a studio together and like iron like there becomes a point where it's just so slow to work remotely. 
Like you could sit and talk about like no, it like one oh nine, like well, no, like definitely one oh eight. Like if you, you know, and it's like in on like one computer and you go back and forth and like you can nail it much quicker sometimes too. Usually, I like the really like exploratory stage is moved like more remotely and like kind of on our own like time schedules and stuff, and then finishing the record is like time to come together and yeah well we're on the subject of like finishing records am i right you you mixed and mastered this with a song called zero is that right what was what was that process like i mean i kind of you know i have some not not too much sympathy because it's like a crazy record to work on but just had to get a record like this to a mixer and be like you know (laughs) here we go Make it sound good. Like, what was that? Were you giving any references? What was the sort of feedback like? How did you even come in contact? Um, yeah. So that that was something we were very conscious of too. We were like, we we didn't even know like what the better version of this necessarily sounded like. Like, obviously, we're hearing it in our heads a little different because we've worked so intimately with it. So part of like a good mix is just like making it so other people like first listen will hear it that way i think yeah so we we were just very self-conscious about like this is weird we don't even know what a good mix is going to sound like and we kind of decided like we think this guy could do it because he he's mixed some pretty out there stuff he makes his own music that's like really out there and incredible too and it it's out there but it all sounds like like so high five like it sounds like like so just like right in like present like it the sound is incredible yeah we reached out we were like it works with him if he's down to mix it and like we do these two like trial songs to see like how it like what comes of it then and we like it then we'll go with him if not like we have to like mix and master it ourselves and like deal with that so we got this studio for like a week i think and we were in there basically trying to like finalize and like rough mix and master it ourselves. But then like the last few days we were there, Zero came by and we played him super well, I mean we played him the whole thing, I think, but we asked him like Superman that. Yeah. Smoke don't clear, I think. Like, are you down to like give these a shot? Like I think these two will help figure help us figure out like the fastest if this is like the right thing to do because Superman that is like the pop song of the album right so it like the best mix and then I, lo- I just love the how you how you frame that that's super edgy that's super interesting <laughs> I gotta listen I, after this I gotta listen to that again as the pop song of the album oh <laughs> uh, and then Smoke Zone Clear was like probably the most like fucked up like sound design so like mm-hmm. let's see what the mix is able to make of that. So it was like those two, yeah, we're good references. So, uh, and part of that, part of like asking to do Superman that as well was we had the stems like in front of us, but a lot of the like cool effects stuff that was happening to the beat was done like to the two track of the beat because it just didn't sound the same doing it to like all the stems at once. Like, some of the like automated stuff and i like tried my hardest to like take the stems apart and then like apply the automation to each stem but like group them and like what would give him like 
separated tracks or still in a good and just none of it sounded like as good as like two track so we were like is it okay like can you mix this to the two track with like all these effects on it he was like yeah i'll give it a shot and that was the one where he sent that back a few days later and was like not a few days but I, however soon he sent it back we uh he somehow like because the two track was pretty like compressed he he's like a transient shaper, like the SSL one or something, like the SSL plugin one, and like just like reopened it, like the drums like opened up, and they were so loud again, and it was like less compressed. It was like I hadn't used anything like that. It was like shocking. And so we were like, okay, like he's the guy. Like we're gonna do it for sure. Just that, just hearing the secondhand experience of like going because I've just been in that situation so many times of having like the most broken like yeah like free stems that actually like many yeah. sounds in it and then like having you're trying to like EQ your way out of like situations <laughs> just, yeah just the I, just, I felt a secondhand relief from you just hearing like yeah there's two <laughs> stems and it just worked out I'm like this is, yeah, yeah. This is a dream this is like a producer's fucking dream because I had everything with like all the separate ones but it just didn't sound is good and it's like at a certain point it's got to do it the wrong way if it's yeah. not you just know innately like it's not as good oh, for sure man i've made a i made a career out of doing it the wrong way while we're um while we're talking a little bit about like um plugins and that kind of stuff uh like how how deep is your search into i mean i know you're you're a dive into samples is as deep as they come but it's in plugins and that kind of stuff and you know lewd techniques and stuff how often are you looking for new shit and is there what kind of stuff have you tapped into recently of like i haven't really picked up a whole lot recently i mean there's like that uh really like lossy like simulators i guess a little bit but i haven't so far it's only been like ear candy stuff nothing like really strong like this is the base of the song but on the last album, like a lot was like, there's like that like manipulator plugin. Yeah. And I think it's mostly for vocals, but yeah, the smear channel on it, that that's really fun. Like smear in the wisp. I'm glad you brought that up because that I as uh, at the um, SS San Francisco. That was the track that made me go down a rabbit hole trying to hear what that fucking vocal sound was. Uh, yeah, that sent me crazy trying to find that shit. I was like, this. The smear on like a, like a bass guitar is like so good. It's like, or really on any, the smear on like 808s is like, I, I want to explore that more. It's yeah. fucked. We can create some stuff that just sounds bad on like the wrong speaker system. Yeah. But there's also some sounds there that are weird and you might be able to like figure, figure them out enough yeah. to like, stabilize them i don't know but there's that one i think a lot of the drums were like i i like this like process of just like sticking a break in the the granulator plugin kind of like free form like fucking around for like five minutes just like playing it like and shifting like the the playback speed and in the the rate that it's like chopping at or whatever and just yeah just get this like really like pushed and pulled like ridiculous track of still like a like a dusty-ish like break yeah and find like some cool loops in there chop it out and like pull it out and then 
you like 80% like quantize that to like a 16th note and then you do like the retime to like pitch or whatever, you get some weird drum sounds out of that. That's what the, the by storm drums are like probably like one of my favorite things I've done just because I like they're barely drums and like I've never heard drums that sound like that before. And and that's what I think that's what that is. It's like a pretty extreme version of that. But you can still hear like the little bit of like a drum kit inside. It's nice, yeah. It's weird how those those are always the ones that stick. It's never like the heaviest or like it's always like the like the weird like just the collection of sounds that like are doing the thing that they're they're filling the space that they're trying to do, if it's drums or like an instrument stuff, but it's just so like far out from like the what his original purpose would be is like that's the best fucking feeling i i, I also want to talk about <clears throat> maybe this has some sort of play as well this sort of um the now i think it's now so it's almost like an urban legend this um this like dj set that everything well, all the all the inspiration from like the records kind of came from not all the inspiration i mean maybe yeah. I, I threw my research because i guess la- people for layers and layers onto this like the legend of this set yeah. Maybe talk about for those who don't know, just um, exactly this. You know, a little bit about. I mean, you've talked about it to death, I'm sure. But the a uh, little bit of the story of this DJ set and what was what was it that you took away from it exactly? Um, let's see. I'll let's see. I'm gonna try to clear up some of it without rehashing. I'm sure someone's like injuries or like Stockholm, they'll find plenty of the existing lore. I guess. <laughs> But um, I mean, the short of it was that we were playing, we were on a tour and we had like all these, we had like three or four like atomic strobe lights like that we were bringing with us everywhere. And those are like very power hungry. It's just like there's a certain amount of volts and circuits and watts and amps and you got to be mindful of, because we like the first night of the tour, we blew like power in the venue and then we got like, so, yeah, just take, like, a certain mindfulness. And it was even more difficult there because now you're dealing with, like, 240 volt versus, like, 120 volt here. Fucking hell, man. And so we're doing that at, like, a lot of these venues. Like, okay, how many circuits do you have? Okay, can I get one circuit here, one circuit here? Yeah. And, I mean, we're not playing, like, big rooms where it shouldn't be a problem. We're playing, like, a lot of, like, 200 cat, like, rooms. But they're, like, proper, like, music venue rooms. And we, we get to this show in Stockholm and it is truly like just like a flat floor in kind of like a long hallway, like bar area in the back of this like Italian restaurant. So we're like, fuck already. They have like CDJs set up and we're like, why, why are there CDJs here? No one on the sewer using CDJs. Like you just saw a rap show and you're just like, all right, here's some CDJs. Like I don't... <laughs> So we pretty quickly came to the realization that none of the lights were going to be able to get plugged in. The speaker system was like, just like the classic like house show setup of just like two PAs and like, like a little like mixing board, like on a like bar table in the back. And I mean, the guy who was mixing is actually really nice. He, he's the one who recorded it, which is the only reason that that recording of it exists, which is also out there. People want the lore. Um, so anyway, so we came to the decision we're not going to be able to do this, like, the show that we've been touring this whole time. And we, we I don't know, we felt a little uncomfortable just, like, playing the same set 
but it being like such a reduced version of the show. And the CDJs were there. So we were like, fuck it. Let's just, the show was already free, I think. So we were like, fuck it. Like, we're just going to do like this, our idea of like a DJ set. And so we started like pulling up songs we liked. We were pulling up like beats and like Nate had like his like TC Helicon just trying to find like fun vocal effects he wanted to play with. And I had the Superman that beat. I'd had it for a while. I'd, I think I made it like right around this time our, our album before that was like coming out because we were in the UK. We played that like Brighton Festival and we were hanging out with Jockstrap and Georgia was like, oh, I have this like other band you should check out. And I went to like one of their sets and I think Athens France was like the only song they had out at the time. And we like went to a studio a few days later and just kind of like threw that together while we were out there like hanging out with them. So I'd had that beat for a long time and I'd been like pushing it. I think I even sent it to like JPEG at one point. I sent it to hip hop saying like, oh, I think Danny Brown would be good on this. Like I was like really pushed this beat. And I guess we, we've had a disagreement. Nate said that he did like write something to it already and he like showed it to me and Grogs. And we were kind of just like, eh. and he's like, that's what the song is. Like he said, he says that he showed it to before. I don't remember it, but I believe it. And, but anyway, so we're in this bar in Stockholm and that he, he does, I play the beat and he does that over it, like with the auto tune and the mic and everything. I'm like, that's crazy. And so we ended up performing it there. And that's where like a lot of the like live effects that then we made sure to include on the record that made it a lot more difficult to mix later on. That's where we like found those effects was from doing it live the first time. And yeah, we just had the live recording as a demo when we got home from the tour. And we were kind of like, okay, we need to make this like a good song. We need to make this like a studio recording. We need to figure this. And once we figured that out, like we were like, okay, this is the sound of the album. And the rest kind of like flowed out from there. Because we were like, this song is crazy. Like that was like our foundation point. It wasn't like I was like, give me the Athens sample and like put it in the drum. <laughs> that I, I'm not the work like that. Yeah, I think, I think it's in, I mean, thanks again for clearing it up. And, and I'm sure it's like, yeah, the hundredth time you've had to explain it around. But like, I think it's, I think what, what catches people onto makes it so interesting is this idea of just like, you know, I mean, first of all, it's like a, you know, like a, like a moment as if it was a story or something like that. Everything comes together and it flows out and, you know, this Eureka thing catches from the album. Like there's that, but there's also something interesting to something you don't really see in electronic or hip hop or music production of like sort of a, a, the live jam then becoming the, you know, becoming like the recording. I mean, I think it's kind of typical in, band world where you have like you know people messing around at sound check and then like they have a little riff and it develops into this thing um the idea of music production you know in studio recording production or whatever is this very like quiet alone sort of nerdy on Ableton for days and days it's like trying to craft things there's some romance to that but there's a lot I think that's what I think that's what's drawing people to the story maybe so much as yeah this idea that it kind of fell out of this improvised thing like you know flow state in a way that 
maybe on your first listen to music, you're like, how did it come out of this? Like, this came from like, just, it just fell from the sky kind of thing. Why do you, why do you think people are so into, so into that law? No, I mean, from the bit, for, from the band standard, uh, it would probably be like, wow, a lot of like prep work that we're into that. I just, for us, it did feel like, whoa, what the fuck is this? Like yeah. we have some, um, like, I mean, I had like been pretty into the beat for a long time before that, but that was the first time I was like, oh, we have a song here. Um, so it did feel like that to us, but I, yeah, I, I mean, people love like a good story. There's a certain like virtuoso like thing attached to like, music that people really like to like lean into. It's the same reason why like, like just having instruments on stage, like makes a lot of people like more like receptive to a live performance. And I'm not, like, there's plenty of laptop shows that do suck. Like, I get that. But there's also plenty of ways to make, like, electronic music, like, tactile and, like, receptive to, like, jamming. And in which I do that. Um, very, very quickly, you um you mentioned uh, just about the live setup. You mentioned the TC Helicon, whatever, whatever. Some of the recordings of those live shows, it's like, feels like, things are being jammed and mangled to a point where they feel like so much more intense in a great way. Um, it must be like an absolute joy when you're like, what's the live set at the moment, like equipment wise? Um, did you just come, did you just come off a tour? Like, um, although, and that was like pretty long. Like we were off and on like every other month since like October 21. Yeah. Basically, like a full year, I guess. So, like every other month, like on the road, I think. Um, but uh, yeah, like we we figured it out. Like we have it down to like a pretty, like exact science. Not, not exact, but we're pretty. Like we even bring our own tables. Like um, we got we have this like giant pelican that we bring our 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 stands in. Especially the stands are crucial when people have the virtuoso thing. Like they see a laptop on a table. More. So we got to at least put it on like some nice like drum stand. Yeah. But anyways, uh, so Nate has his setup on one laptop running Ableton that's basically, he has vocals going into the TC Helicon as like kind of te technically we call that the drive vocal. Even though so there's the TC Helicon is there for a lot of effects. We just don't like the the auto tune in the TC Helicon. It's like right. it's not good enough. Um, so then he also is running vocals through Ableton just for auto tune um, to get like the real Antares like sound. He has like a like a, I don't know, it's one of those like Akai like little samplers that's just like alone. And I think it has like mostly like vocal chops that he like ad libs of his own that he likes and like can play while we're doing some, like, of the weirder stuff. And then on mine, I just have, like, a session in Ableton uh, running on my laptop, and that's hooked up to, like, the push, too. That's lets me do, like, 90% of it without touching the laptop. There's this one, like, plugin that Jasper did for Max that's, like, a tap tempo echo, or, well, tap tempo thing that I mapped to the echo. Sometimes and it doesn't work with the push. So sometimes I'm like tapping that out my my track to like get 
yeah, it's mostly just controlling it from the push. It's an Ableton session. And then in the session, I have like one track for beats, a second track for beats. So I can like jog between the two. And it's like one, the next song on the other, the next song on the first one, the next song on the second, you know. Um, and then an acapella track and then another track that is controlling all the lights. And that's like uh, just going to this little like USB DMX box. And it has like automated programming for the lights, basically. So they're always like perfectly with the, the Ableton session. You run in the lights and the tracks all out of the same, just one out of the same laptop. Yeah. Yeah. Does that, ter- that terrify you? <laughs> as, as a fellow as a fellow laptop live person, I'm just constantly just like after one or two bad experiences, you're just constantly waiting for everything to like fuck up. Yeah, it's usually not too, but like I've had like maybe like a couple of crashes, but like across like a hundred, two hundred shows, like not too bad. Like I think those are more rare occurrences than they are like overloading the system. The plugins I have like three tracks of plugins on them. They're mostly like native, like using the Ableton EQ, using like Pitch Hack is Max. Like it's mostly their Max or nat- like native a- Ableton plugins. So it's like it hasn't been too bad. It hasn't been too choppy. You mentioned uh, you mentioned Jogstrap um, before, and I think there's like a with injury reserve. There's like a weird sort of crossover into some of the kind of like the experimental electronic world. I mean, I think you, I, was it a couple of weeks ago, you just put out the record with Flume. Um, or that was like an old, that was like a, yeah, years ago. pretty old. But yeah. it did, well, yeah. Also, doing stuff with like Jam City and Dylan Brady and stuff. Where do you think that overlap is? And also, just like any, any experiences that stick out from, um, with those names, like, uh, the producer collaboration within Injury Reserve. What is that? How's that? How's that function? How's that feel? How's that flow? I mean, I think like working with a lot of those people, a lot of it's obviously just by like chance. It's a mixture of like being by chance, but also just being like music fans at the same time and like stuff that we think is like, oh, this is kind of sick actually. Uh, like with the jockstrap thing, that's like we were playing this like uh, it was like Iceland Airwaves at like festival out there. They were like play- we were playing the same like bar there on the same day and we showed up for our sound check and they were sound I think there was some miscommunication so they were kind of taking our sound check time and we had to like wait around to use their sound check time uh um, we were going to London after like that festival to like meet with people and like try to choose like it was when we were on the label deal so we were like choosing I don't know. They're always like introducing you to people and uh, their managers kind of came up to like Nick or I and they were like, hey, like you're in reserve, right? And they're like, we were like, yeah. And she's like, oh, like uh, we're supposed to be like meeting with you in London in a few days. Like, I, and we were like, oh, hi. And so we're talking to them and they introduced us to the band. We were watching the soundtrack and we were like, oh, this sounds pretty cool. And then we checked out the music. Yeah, and then I think we ended up, like, on that, like, short, like, a couple days later, like, we all went over to, like, Taylor's apartment and showed him 
like the self-titled album that was like done but like this would have been like november 2018 i think um so yeah just by chance and then liking what they're doing and hanging out and then just building like a, a music relationship i guess um it feels, feels pretty organic but yeah that's a well i mean considering now in, in everything that sort of job chat's been up to now since it's very cool to see both of you sort of like uh, well, really late but cool to see yeah. it's crazy it took off not like it was all those things that was frustrating for a long time like why like they're they're falling a little bit on deaf ears but yeah one i get I, I don't know i guess things are just later i mean that's yeah that's that tends to be some thing with like experimental stuff sometimes you just like you know, I wouldn't use the phrase too far ahead, but just, yeah, just like the climate just it doesn't match up with the, whatever you're doing. And it's just like, yeah, it's a funny yeah. thing. What about uh, Dylan Brady and, and they get that Gex remix is fucking <laughs> bonkers. And uh, he was on Jailbreak the Tesla, I think. Um, yeah, what is what is that relationship like? He's a, he's a funny guy. I'm trying to remember how we got like in contact. I think it was just like mutual friends. Um, because this mutual friends like in LA or like through well, music stuff or I don't. It might have been. It might have been. There's this this guy who was from Phoenix. Well, he's a producer like Y2K. I think we like just people being from Phoenix. Like then when you're in LA, you're like I remember you from the house. You know, like and you end up. I think it might have been maybe through him. I don't remember exactly, but. For whatever reason, like we were like somewhat friendly with Dylan, and then he came out when we were starting that self-titled album. He uh, or we like rented this house in like Flagstaff, like this big like cabin, and kind of just like invited like everyone we we liked to like come work um, that we like knew, and he came out for like a few days, I think, or maybe like a week, I don't know, a little bit. And he like brought a bunch of his stuff and and we were just working there, yeah. And then that song, that was the collaboration where it's like, I, we're pretty like open to whatever really. Like w we hate like bringing people into something and like wanting like, can we get this from you? Like this thing you do, do that for us. Like yeah. it's like, we hate when people expect that of us too. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. I mean, that must happen to you like all the fucking time. yeah. And so, like, that one, like, he had a thumb instrument and he was, like, playing it. I think he did... Oh, that's, uh, a, that's a recording? Well, no, I think he did, like, kind of the Tokyo Drift-ish yeah. line, like, a joke. And then Nate was like, oh, we got to get that. We got to get that. Um, and I think Nate might have even done it off, like, an iPhone, like, a, like an Apple, like, corded mic. So it's, like, really, like, noisy, and just, which probably makes it sound more like a sample. But like just like a headphone, like he like put it up to the thing and they like ordered it real quick. And that that's like Dylan's production on that, which is very backwards. Like obviously there's a lot of like like Sophie sounds on that beat, like just like kind of PC music in general, like really coursing through that. But then it's cut with this like very like dusty feeling noise ridden hand played thumb instrument. And it's like uh that part is actually the, the part Dylan did and the stuff Dylan is like super 
known for and related with is like the stuff that we kind of already had on that song. So yeah, I mean, we're old, like whatever song ends up being. No, I remember that. I mean, that was a, such a poor uh, producer nerds like me. That was such like a uh, a moment. I feel like when that came out, it was just like, yeah, I think it's big. I think it's a lot of it to do with the contrast of sounds, but also just sort of hearing it did spin the context of like Sophie sounds in in a like hip hop context. I think I might be wrong, but it was before Sophie was doing all the stuff with with Staples and stuff. So it was like, yeah, I feel like for us, we were like. When she was doing stuff for Vince Staples, it was definitely like Vince Staples rapping over her production. Mm. Like it, it wasn't quite, I don't know. I feel like we were, it was just like, she's also like, just like such a like crazy sound designer. Like, and so I think our approach was like, I don't like it. Like, honestly, like in rap music, there's like a lot of using like drum, you know, like drums famous, like, like the chop snare is famous. Yeah. That's a, a whole snare sound. And like, it is like this producer made it and the pack like circulated and it got used all over. And it's like when they, they think they figured out like the, the Metro Boom in like 808 once a long time ago. And that one was really, forget the exact, but people like the file names almost become like a meme, you know? And like, I think we were just like approaching it like that, but we're still like, oh, we're going to use samples. We're going to, you know, it's not going to be like all synth driven. It's not going to be. Yeah, I feel like some of the reception people want, like people receive it one side or the other. I know that there's people who like think it's almost like like cheap and like ripping on her sound, but it's it's clearly like I don't know, like introducing like like jazz samples to it and trying to make those work together is. I'm not gonna pretend like I made the snare sound, of course. That would be, but the mashup is what we were going for there. Yeah. The splice thing has made it all the way. I feel like there's way more people producing. Splice makes people feel, which is, it's good, but there's also like that like famous like beginner, like false bravado, like false I know everything. Like it's like way more prevalent with this stuff, I guess. I mean, did you, uh, did you hear the, um, I think uh, it was like Spotify, they announced like their new, they announced there's like this some like trailer video where they basically have like some TikTok feed now, um, like uh, Spotify or some you know so gross. But like the the soundtrack to it is like so crazy, like spliced. But like none of it is like you know it's kind of like avant garde. This could be like John Cage in a way, but it's like <laughs> none of it is like in the same key, and it's like the most like corrosive like. Oh, yeah. so, you got to you got to check that out. It's um, you know. Yeah, I think the splice is definitely, um, you know, I think it's leaving its its mark in, and I, you know, I like to think maybe it's just a little bit of a phase. It might be the same when there's fucking like, you know, AI song starters which sound like brilliant. I think it, you know, it could go through like a go through like a little phase thing where it's like, you know, I'm just kind of gonna drag everything from the front page and then, you know, see what you know. But it, the problem is your dealing with, you know, if you're dragging everything from the front page of Splice, you're dealing with also all the other thousands of people who might be doing, like, the same shit that day. Um, yeah, it's kind of funny, but there's also just, like, great things on there, so it's a, you know, it's a balance. You know, maybe a broad question of, since, like, the beginning of your production career with Live at the Dentist Office and, like, kind of had, like, this sort of raw lo-fi sounds, I mean, it was sort of sort of um, like tongue-in-cheek references um, of like 
jazz rap and stuff like lyrically or maybe it was on the one you know reference to that if you looked at the scope of you know of of everything with injury reserve how would you say your production has like developed personally like how do you see thing how do you see your approach has changed from like your earlier stuff would you say like or i mean it's, it's never like so straightforward but uh, i mean definitely like like when you say like the tongue-in-cheek jazz rap line like is like a perfect signifier for like the only like real constant has been like a restlessness for sure yeah like an extreme restlessness uh and kind of every time someone like there's like a consensus that like this is what it is being like no like it's this you know and and that line being like yeah the first album that we put out or like mixtape i guess whatever you want being being something that could be labeled as dad's rap and that being the first thing to like get any recognition and us and then the first song we put out after that recognition to be this is not that kind of like a perfect encapsulation of where it's gone since then just like but it's not that you know uh yeah, like a, ref- a refusal to be like pinned down to like a certain understanding, I guess, has been like constant. The big change um, beyond that has just been like getting way more comfortable with like the technique of it, getting more intimate with it. Like, you like if I go back and hear some of the other stuff, like it sounds like so straightforward. So, like, like by the numbers, but at the time it was exciting and weird. Like, oh, what is this? Like, I don't know. This crazy. Like, oh, I figured out how to make like the eight hundred eight like hit that hard. Like, that's wow, wow. Like, I did that. That's crazy. But now, like, yeah, that feels like you know a little cheap. It feels like you know, like clocking in for the job to like be to like just make a drum like, hit that way. And so, just looking for like different things, you know. Um, like like that way ah uh, this is, okay this is a little uh, I don't know I don't want to oh come on you can't do me like that <laughs> there have you ever watched like the Kenny Beats like Twitch streams yeah 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 so there's one thing that like bugs me like beyond belief and that is that uh, I watched some of like the YouTube uploads of them and I realized he never maybe sometimes but for the most part he which is like a lot of what I'm doing while making a beat. He never presses undo. Like, he never does anything to, like, see what it'll sound like and, like, be like, oh, no, let me go back and let me work. Like, it's, he always is like, now the next step is and then does it. Like, he, like, knows what to do, like, does it. And that's, like, to me, like, the the complete opposite of, like, the point of making music. And I just, I feel like, yeah, I feel like that helps describe, I guess, what, has become like more more like this is what it is like this is what I'm trying to do is like not be that like not be like okay I know what I'm doing now and like sit down and put all the pieces together like avoiding that is like the whole thing and just the more and more you do the more you get to know things the more difficult but also exciting it becomes to try to do to try to avoid doing like the same thing and feeling like you're just like phoning it in um, and like satisfied with creating what you already thought would sound good. Uh, there's definitely something to this, like the, a disruption to the workflow in any in any form. It's like, you know, it's like picking up a new synth or something, even though like 
it can make the same sound or there's an effect that can do the same sound. It will be laid out differently in a way that will, you know, disrupts what you're trying to do and like fucks with it a little bit in the way that like, it's just a new result kind of thing. Um, yeah. Yeah. But that's, that's funny. You mentioned the, uh, Kenny Beast doesn't use undo. I'll, uh, Wayne does that, honestly. I mean, you know how to use undo? That's, that's yeah. on you. Maybe you just, you're just perfect every time, you know? That's also yeah, possibility. That could be cool. I, yeah. I kind of, so I want to just finish things up by, <clears throat> I think there's something interesting with, with, um, injuries, uh, I think, and I think in general, um, groups, I mean, groups are kind of this thing that are slowly, you know, not dying out, but they're, um, they, you know, as a, going from complete band world of the 20th century and how it's kind of evolved now. And you see all these sort of more individual artists and stuff. What, like, what advice would you give to, you know, producers or artists, whatever, that are looking to, like, find collaboration and collaborative spaces, like, in 2023 and um, find those people that share the similar mindsets and, and, and that kind of thing? What would you... Yeah, I guess what would you advise to them to in, in finance things and also just like in general, the difference in, in work and what, what sh this should be expected for people that are like trying to venture into that kind of world. I feel like a lot of the like solo stuff, I mean, even like the prevalence of, of like solo artists is probably like more about like making money. Like for other people too, like that's probably why they're so prevalent is because other people know that it's easier and they can make more money off like one person that is like marketable and like easier to control is kind of, it's easier to find someone and you're like, okay, I get them to work with this producer, this producer and this producer. And, and that'll be like, I mean, that's kind of like the A&R, like signing a new artist, like that's what they do. Okay. now you're working with X, Y, Z, like we got sessions for you, you know? Yeah. Um, so it's probably just easier on them than like investing in like, something that's already trying to like figure itself out and like self-contained amongst itself. Like it's all these new people. And I feel like people kind of maybe have internalized that a bit because it seems like even when you do see, see like groups and stuff, they're often like already semi-splintered. Like it's, it's somewhat rare now to see a group that like takes itself as a group like very seriously. Like there will be group projects, but then there's like Here's my solo album. Here's this. Here's like this thing, and that can that can be cool. But I think sometimes taking the group thing like very seriously is like it, it keeps you from seeing yourself as like an individual within the group and like the band is like its own like organic entity, which is much more complicated. And complication like makes stuff like really interesting sometimes. Like, and I think that's all it comes down to is like. Maybe people shy away from the discomfort of like how complicated it is navigating like a couple different people, like having to like agree on something that's already as complicated as like making a piece of art. But like figuring out complicated things with other people is kind of like the whole point of being around. So comfortable as that is, like when you uh, tear it down, you're absolutely right. Uh, yeah. So I guess that leaning into that is good. Yeah. Yeah. For sure, yeah. Um, but yeah, is there anything anything you want to plug? Anything, you know, you want to put out to say, uh -huh. here's one more thing? <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, we have like I don't I don't know when this is is supposed to like come out really. Um maybe edit this out. But if it has, then I don't care. Um <laughs> Yeah, I mean we're like yeah, basically we don't feel comfortable like pushing the uh like same name forward. Uh it's just the two of us. Um We've made the, we have like this one song. It's like pretty like indulgent, like six minute thing, um, and we're we're going to like do this like transit. We actually just shot it, and I think I'm like we shot it like five days ago, and I think I got like the edit. Like I'm like pretty happy with it. Maybe it'll be like a few little tweaks, um, and it's basically gonna be like this transitional thing. It's like a, a video for By Storm the song off the last album and then a new video by the ba- the band name was going to be by Sarm without the E. All right, nice. It'll be like a first single from like the new name. So it's like this like blurry transitional state. I was about to say, I was literally about to make the lame, I just, I caught myself. I was going to say it was like a Phoenix thing. And then I was like, that is like the fucking... That is so bad. I'm, I can't believe my mind went there. But yeah, this is like uh, yeah, Ashes from the Phoenix. I think um, you put my um, you put mind and heart at ease. Because uh, I mean, I was always worried to ask. I was, you know, to be like, is more music going to come from you too? Like, especially, you know, I think that was the consensus as well from like a lot of the reviews from the last record. It was like, please don't let this be the last one. Um, but yeah, that seems like a really tasteful way of, of handling it. And yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. That's kind of like, you know, a good avenue of that. But um, that's great, man. Well, thank you so much. 